When was the last time you were amazed at something? I mean really amazed. What was the most recent thing that amazed you? Has it been too long ago to remember? Does anything amaze you anymore? Are you hard to impress? Am I asking too many questions? I'm amazed every time NASA releases some new picture from outer space. I mean, every year technology gets better and high-definition pictures of planets and galaxies these, these days have come a long way from the blurry pictures we used to get when I was a kid. The stuff out there is amazing. But not everybody's impressed. Amazement, on the other hand, seems to be the theme of Mark's gospel. Mark 1, verse 22. The people were amazed at Jesus' teachings. Mark 2, 12. He healed the paralytic, and they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. The disciples were astonished when Jesus calmed the storm on the sea. People were freaked out when Jesus cast demons from the man and threw them into the pigs. The woman who touched Jesus' clothes in order that his power would heal her, she trembled with fear and astonishment when it happened. Mark 5:42. Jesus says to the little dead girl, Arise! And immediately the girl gets up and she begins to walk and the people watched and were immediately overcome with amazement. Mark 6:51. Jesus walked onto the, he walked on the sea and got into the boat with the disciples and they were utterly astounded. Peter, James, and John were utterly amazed upon witnessing Jesus' transfiguration. Wouldn't you be? After that, Mark 9, 15, and immediately all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. Mark 10, 24, and the disciples were amazed at his words. And a few short verses later, and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. Chapter 11, 18, and the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to, de to destroy Jesus, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Chapter 12, verse 17, Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Mark 16, verse 5, And entering the tomb, they saw the young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were astonished. I hope I didn't miss any. If you find one I didn't mention, I'll give you ten bucks. I will. Amazement, astonishment, fear, trembling, it's all throughout Mark. And that's how he ends it. The story of Jesus, according to Mark, abruptly stops at the empty tomb. And they went out and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Mark stops there because it's believed that he wanted to create in his audiences a desire, a, a craving to hear more. 
But this is what we have. And the two earliest known copies of Mark stop at the tomb. Just abruptly. Stops right there. And apparently, there were some early believers who missed the thematic evidence of astonishment and thought the story needed a more conventional ending. So we have verses 9 through 20, which were added on either end, or they were either added by Mark or one of his scribes, or possibly another eyewitness. Not all the Greek copies of Mark uh, have this extended ending, and it was left out of the church lectionary, the one that we use, the Lutherans, the Catholics, the Episcopals use, because of this controversy. But there's nothing in it which conflicts with what was already witnessed about Jesus after the resurrection. You just heard it. Did you hear anything that was like, oh, I've never heard that before? No, it all, it all jives. It all, it's all good. You got him speaking with Mary Magdalene. He talks to the men on the road. Probably the, that's probably the account of the road to Emmaus. There's the great commission. <clears throat> Go out and preach the gospel. And an oh-so-brief mention of him ascending to heaven and sitting at the right hand of God. So, if you're a purist and you like things in their original condition, when you read Mark, stop at chapter 16, verse 8. Just stop right there. And be amazed at the abruptness of the ending. On the other hand... If you want what you've been told about Jesus' resurrection to be emboldened in your heart and mind, verified perhaps, you know that the Messiah who was certified dead and buried then came back to life and was seen, then read on. An empty tomb discovered by a couple men and some women is one thing. You know, that could have been enough for some to believe and have faith and be saved, but God just didn't let leave his son to just disappear and leave room for speculation. Jesus showed up to different people at different times in different places. And he was seen for a while. These added verses in Mark testify to this. It's one of the chief things that the church is built on. The eyewitnesses that testify that Jesus has come back to life. It's what you and I can say to the naysayer and the disbeliever when he asks you why you believe in fairy tales. You say, well, because it's true. People saw Jesus after he died, and they wrote it down for others to hear about. They were eyewitnesses. But now sin, corruption, and the powers of darkness in this world have blinded many through the ages to not be amazed by any of this at all, by anything Jesus said, and to not believe in any of it. Even within the church, believers' hearts are dulled to the astonishing news that Jesus came to bring life and bring it abundantly. We've heard it a million times. Instead, our itching ears want to know something new to excite the mind and satisfy our needs. So what if Jesus was seen? I just want the pain to go away. So what if Jesus was seen? I want direction in my life. I want to feel good. I want everyone to be happy. 
Isn't that why Jesus came to earth? Not completely. Jesus isn't therapy in accordance with our modern day understanding of it. Yes, he healed people of their diseases and their deformities and threw demons out of their minds. And I suppose these people were saved for eternity along with it. But for us, Jesus promises a healing that pales in comparison to our immediate needs. He offers life which goes on forever in a perfect world without corruption of the body or the mind. And that's good news. A perfect kind of therapy applied to us through a perfect love of God. Forgiveness, restoration, cleansing, reconciliation, salvation, all that. All that freely given to us without any payment or merit of our own on account of Jesus, His death and resurrection. It's a comforting reminder for those of us who become accustomed to this promise and astonishing news to those who haven't heard it yet and especially for those who live in misery. The Gospel of Mark was amazing news to those who first heard it. Under the Roman Empire in in Judea and the outlying countries, oppression, poverty, hunger, disease, and death was what most people experienced every day. The message of Christ and His love for people such as them, it took hold and flourished. I wonder if today in America... Jesus Jesus isn't so amazing to people here because we have insurance and health care, job opportunities, government that does way more for people than the Roman Empire ever did, and nonprofit advocacy groups that care for people no matter who you are in what circumstance. You can find a group to identify with and get some kind of help. Who needs Jesus then? Who needs the church? We complain a lot about our land, but we have it good. Maybe, though, too good to the detriment of the church. Before the the, the next great uh, Christian awakening or revival in this country, if it ever happens, there may be fewer of us left in our churches. But neither you or me have any control or had any control of who we were when we were born where we were born, or what time we were born. We could just as well have been born in another part of the world that still experiences what Judeans did when Jesus walked the earth. But we're here. And whether or not we're amazed and astonished at the sayings and doings of Jesus, a few things are still relevant here. One, we're all going to die someday. And those who believe in what the disciples testified will live with God. While those who don't believe, never believed, will live forever without God in anguish. So we keep coming together regularly to hear that, to hear the gospel and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to hang on until the end. The other thing is, we keep on going, preaching the message of Jesus, written down by those whom the Spirit gave inspiration to. That's the, that's the mission of the church. 
We keep giving the message that the, that, the, that the men who witnessed these things wrote down, including Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, the prophets, Moses, among several others. And let's not forget we live in the end times. The signs are, are all around us, but we argue and disagree about what they are and what they mean. Some believe we have all the time in the world because all the signs aren't fulfilled yet. Some believe the church has to accomplish certain things before Jesus can return, which is heresy. Nevertheless, a great many of us Christians understand that it's out of our control anyways. We're probably missing, this. We're probably missing some of the signs anyways because of our distraction with the world and sin. So just be ready now. That's the thing. Be ready. Arm yourself with the word and promises of God and be ready for the resurrection. In the meantime, while there's still time, tell others too about Jesus so that they'll have an opportunity to listen and perhaps believe what you tell them. The same message that's been passed on to you and me by Mark and the other guys. Tell them to read it for themselves. The gospel is open and available to all people in all languages. Now let the heavens be joyful. Let the earth its song begin. Let all the world keep triumph and all that is therein. Let all things seen and unseen their notes of gladness blend. For Christ the Lord has risen, our joy that has no end. Amen.